Good morning. My name is Randall Bradley. It's my pleasure to welcome you to Calvary today. We are so glad that you're here to worship. And whether this is a place that you worship every Sunday or this is your very first time, we are very glad that you're here. We hope that you will participate wholeheartedly. If you're new to Calvary, let me encourage you to take the card in the pew rack in front of you and fill this out. Uh, so take some time to fill this out, and we would love to have a record of your attendance today. We promise not to show up, uh, show up unannounced at your workplace or any uh, home or anything like that. We'll, we'll let you know. Um, you're going to need two things for worship today. You're going to need your worship folder, which will help to guide you through the worship time, and you'll have a lot of songs and things in here that you'll want to know. And then there's also your hymnal. So the hymnal in the uh, pew rack in front of you will also be helpful. So those two things will guide you along. Today we're going to offer many opportunities for you to engage in worship through singing, through praying, through hearing the stories of others as they share, through taste through visual aspects, you're going to hear blessings and you're going to hear all kinds of things and see and do. We hope that you will participate wholeheartedly in all that is worship today. Let us now honor God as we offer our worship. Amen. Glory, 
me. We come to you this morning to praise you as the God of all grace and of all glory. The holy God who loves us enough to humbly come and live among us, to show us and teach us how to love each other. Help us, Lord, to be good students of your love for others so that we may be instruments of your unwavering love in this very difficult world. Holy God, we pray that as we abide in you, our hearts will be touched, our eyes will be opened, and our arms will reach out to those who do not yet know the fullness of your love for them. In Christ's name, amen.
A reading from the book of Psalms. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises. Tell of all of his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wonderful works he has done, his miracles, and the judgments he has uttered, O offspring of his servant Abraham, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. A reading from the Gospel according to John. I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, and they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one, I in them, and you in me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that, also, that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory, which you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. This is the word of God. Say I am strong. 
Some of you might know this past June, our youth went on a mission trip to New Orleans, Louisiana. Today, these three students have agreed to share a little bit about their experience there. So Carissa and Ellie, will you just give us a quick overview about what y'all did on your work sites? Okay, so the high schoolers, um, we worked alongside this organization called Lower Nine and it was located in the, uh, the Ninth Ward, and that was one of the neighborhoods that was hit the, the hardest for, uh, by Katrina. And so we performed various um, construction projects, ranging from repairing roofs to painting to um, putting in tiles in houses. Uh, the middle schoolers in New Orleans helped out at two places. In the morning, we went to Love in Action Outreach, which serves as a food pantry to people in need of food and resources in New Orleans. Ms. Gale, the owner and creator of Love in Action, started this organization after Hurricane Katrina because she was in need of food during this difficult time. It has grown over the years and now serves over 200 families each week. In the afternoon, we helped at Second Harvest Food Bank, which is a warehouse that supplies food for food pantries like Love in Action and others all over Louisiana. While helping at Second Harvest, we packed boxes, removed rust from cans, and helped sort food on a conveyor belt. Great. So each night during our time of reflection, we shared with one another um, as a group where we saw God that day. So I've asked each of you to think of one specific meaningful moment from our trip. Um, so let's start with Harper. When I was working at the Love and Action mission site, I met a man by the name of Collins. Collins was, made everyone feel respected and cared for, even if it meant he had to break the rules a little bit. He helped everyone despite the challenges he had of his own. Throughout the week, Collins and I became great friends and I learned from his joy and generosity. Okay, so uh, each morning we had a little book of devotionals, and um, one day it was set in the context of 1 Corinthians 13, and just looking back um, on the whole tr the, the trip as a whole, I, I realized that like, some people might find it difficult to see how God's love um, resided in such a place of 
destruction. And but um, going there and working there uh, gave me the idea that uh, it reminded me that the um, it instilled this faith and hope that um, what happened there could be taken as a positive transformation and guidance for like what has happened in recent events and that people do really come together in times of need. Um, I think one of the most meaningful moments for me was interacting with the people who were coming to Love in Action to get food. When I was talking with people at Love in Action, I was impacted by their joy and attitude towards life. They were so happy to see us and that we were serving at Love in Action. It made an impression on me that people who don't have enough to meet their basic needs still had so much joy. So today in worship, we're focusing on making Christ's name known to all people. So what is one way that you saw this happen on our trip to New Orleans? One way that I saw Christ's name known to others was through Miss Gale, the creator of Love and Action. It is important to Miss Gale that each person that walks through those doors experiences dignity. She wants people to have choices about the food that they are taking home and that they feel dignified. When I was there, Miss Gale made it seem like a home and safe place. She dedicated her life to helping others around her. Everyone that walked in knew Gale and was always happy to see her. And I think just seeing the environment she created with others was very special and amazing to see. I know I experienced Christ's love through watching Miss Gale. Adding on to what Ellie said, um, watching Miss Gale interact with everybody who went through just brought so much hope into, like, I could see how much it helped all of those people. And she was really a pillar of help in the community. I'd have to say um, a main way that Christ's name was shown to me uh, during this trip was from the love of the chaperones that um, came along with us, um, whether it was just buying us beignets or um, snow cones or something. Um, and a specific example was Lewis. When we were on Jackson Square, he was just playing along on his saxophone. And then as the whole youth group was um, coming together at the end of our fun day, um, we started like a flash mob, and we all just started around singing, our God is an awesome God, and um, yeah, so our chaperones really made a great impact on this trip. Well, great. Thank you guys so much for sharing, and I'm grateful for the ways you made Christ's name, Christ's name known on our trip and continue to do so, um, so thank you guys. Oh, 
And now, gracious God, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts together in this room be found pleasing to you. O Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Do you remember who first told you about Jesus? I can't pinpoint one specific person or moment, but I do remember several different snapshots along the way. I remember that my mom would read to me from an illustrated Bible almost every night before I went to sleep, and she always made the stories about Jesus just come to life. I remember some of my first Sunday school teachers, Miss Donna and Miss Mary Jane, who would sit us down in our little wooden chairs and open up the Bible and tell us a story about Jesus in such a thoughtful and intentional way that it just captivated everyone in the room. I still remember that space feeling sacred and special. And although there are some reasons why it's hard for me to go back to my home church, one of the reasons that I still do is to pop my head into Miss Donna and Miss Mary Jane's classroom to see them continuing to teach about Jesus in captivating ways, even 30 years later. I remember being in GAs on Wednesday nights, and if you didn't grow up Southern Baptist, you may not know that Girls in Action, or GAs, was a girls' club that learned about missionaries serving all over the world. And I remember singing our theme song to Girls in Action every week, and doing the sign language too, because as good Southern Baptists, we didn't dance, but we did do sign language, <laughs> which automatically made any song we were singing so much cooler. And so I remember singing that the world may know of Jesus' love each and every week, and that message stuck with me. I remember my very first summer at youth camp when the pastor taught us that there was a difference between knowing about Jesus and really knowing Jesus. And that week, I think I began to realize that, that Jesus wanted to have a relationship with me, like a close friend. And then all the while, I was also falling head over heels in love with one of my camp counselors named Tim. Um, but I really remember that week being a turning point for me in my faith journey. It was the same week when I began to discern that God was calling me to ministry. And even though I had no idea what that ministry would look like, and if you were to tell me then what I'm doing now, I would never have believed you, that week was significant. And all of these experiences instilled in me this deep desire to want to know Jesus more, but then also to want to share Jesus with other people. And so one summer in college, I served on this mission team that traveled to underserved areas of Eastern Kentucky to help lead backyard Bible clubs in different communities. And I still remember teaching the ABCs of becoming a Christian each night and praying the prayer with, with so many children to accept Christ. And then I would take their picture afterwards in front of the church sign and put it in my scrapbook at the end of the summer. And then there were times when I even felt compelled to share my faith with complete strangers, which for some reason is something that I especially felt led to do on airplanes. And so I actually remember this one time that I began to share the plan of salvation with a man right when we hit some turbulence. 
because I thought if we don't make it off this airplane, I just want to make sure that he has a chance to hear about Jesus. But over time, that fervor and excitement for telling people about Jesus began to fade some. One-time conversations or, or spiels about faith with people I didn't know and might never see again, however well-intentioned they may have been, just began to seem disingenuous and inauthentic to me. And really, if my faith meant so much to me, and if following Jesus were really the biggest decision that anyone could ever make, I began to wonder if it could or should be communicated in, in well-rehearsed elevator speeches or environments where children likely didn't understand what we were asking them to do. I also discovered what it felt like on the other side when people began to approach me in ways that I had been approaching them to share my faith. And not always, but oftentimes it, it felt fake, and sometimes it even felt offensive. And so over time, I began to move away from some of these evangelism methods. But something else happened too, and that is that unintentionally, I began to move away from evangelism. And without even realizing what I was doing, I began to throw out the baby with the bathwater. And I would imagine that many of us in this room have done the same at some point within our lives. But evangelism is not a bad word, is it? It's biblical. It's a word that desperately needs to be redeemed and an important part of our mission that needs to be reimagined. And so as we look at today's text, we discover that one of the last hopes and dreams that Jesus voiced for the world was for evangelism. Jesus' fervent prayer was that all would know of Jesus' love for them. If you look at the big picture, John 13 through 17 takes us to the Passover table to Jesus' last meal with his disciples. And it's on this same night that Jesus would be betrayed, handed over to enemies, abandoned by those he considered to be his closest friends, tried, convicted, and ultimately crucified. And yet, even knowing that all of this is about to happen, he gathers together his closest friends around the table. He offers encouragement and hope. And then here in chapter 17, he begins to pray for them. And he prays not only for them, but for all who will believe in Jesus because of their testimony. And then he casts his prayer even further and begins to pray for the world. He says, I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Now, I'm sure this language of unity pops off the page at us. It's an important part of our mission to remember that, that being unified in Christ as one body, as we will claim in just a few moments when we take communion, 
It's one of the strongest testimonies we can make to the world because it conveys the character of Christ. And as divisive as our world is becoming, and even as our churches are becoming, these last words of Jesus that all may be one are so significant for us to remember. New Testament scholar Marianne Thompson points out that the mission of God in the world is a major focus throughout all of John's gospel. The term for the world actually occurs 79 times in John, with almost half of those occurrences in chapters 14 through 17 when Jesus is at the table with the disciples. And then of those uses, almost half of them are within this prayer. It is striking that as Jesus utters his final words to the disciples and prays for them, she says, the world comes into such sharp focus. This is the world that God made, the world that God loves, and the world into which God sent the Son. And into the same world, Jesus now sends the disciples to bear witness to God's love. I was home in Kentucky for my 30th birthday this year, and my sister-in-law, my nieces and nephew were planning to surprise me with some gifts and cupcakes one evening. And so Shira, my sister-in-law, picked up the kids from school and they stopped to pick up cupcakes and balloons, but she gave the kids these strict instructions not to tell me about what they were doing. And they all agreed to let it be a big surprise after dinner that night. Well, as soon as my niece Lily got out of the car and saw me, she immediately ran up to me and without even hesitating, she said, guess what? We got your favorite chocolate cupcakes with purple icing and purple sprinkles and we got you purple balloons. <laughs> and Shira was standing behind her and just started laughing hysterically because just seconds before Lily had spilled the beans, they had all agreed to keep this a secret. But as soon as Lily saw me, she just couldn't help but to share the good news. Friends, the good news that you and I have received is so much better than cupcakes with purple sprinkles. And yet far too often, we tend to keep the good news locked up within us. Just like those disciples were locked in that upper room right after discovering the resurrection of Jesus. They were afraid, not knowing what to do or where to go or what in the world to say. I mean, would anyone possibly believe them? Did they even believe themselves? But nevertheless, they went. They told what they had seen and heard so that all might know of Jesus' love for them and Jesus' love for the world. What would it look like if the good news were truly so good to us that we just couldn't help but to share it with others? What if it were to just flow naturally and joyfully from our conversations and relationships and day-to-day -day lives? What if we had the courage of those earliest disciples to go and to tell of all that we have seen and heard and experienced? As we are continuing this series on reimagining mission at Calvary, I think part of our task is to go find the baby that many of us have inadvertently thrown out with the bathwater and to discover what it would look like to bring her back home. But, but what is it that keeps us from wanting to do that? 
Why? Why are we skeptical or fearful or embarrassed or unsure of sharing what should be the greatest news that you and I have to share? Barbara Brown Taylor tells a story about when she was a sophomore in college and she was sitting in her dorm room one night when two young women clutching Bibles to their chest knocked on the door and told her that the Holy Spirit had sent them to visit with her. Well, Barbara said that when she saw them, her heart just sank. She had been taught to avoid organized religion and to avoid people like this her whole life. But while she was contemplating an appropriate way to respond, the two women just came right in, sat down on her bed, opened their Bibles, and began to share their rehearsed spiel. And when they had finished, they looked at Barbara expectantly and said, so, do you want to be saved? Well, Barbara, more out of courtesy than conviction, told them, sure, why not? So she kneeled and prayed for Jesus to be her personal Lord and Savior. She did, and they left, and she was just relieved to see them go. The whole thing took less than 20 minutes. A little later, Barbara went for a walk to process what had just happened. But she says this, I began to notice that the world looked funny to me, different. People's faces looked different to me. I had never noticed so many details before. I stared at them like portraits in a gallery, and my own face burned for over an hour. Meanwhile, it was, it was hard to walk. The ground seemed spongy under my feet. I felt weightless, and it was all I could do to keep myself from floating up and getting stuck in the trees. Was it a conversion, she says? All I know is that something happened, something that got my attention and has kept it through all the years that have passed since. I may have been fooling around, but Jesus was not. My heart may not have been in it, but Jesus' was. I asked him to come into my life, and he came, although I no more have words for his presence in my life than I do for what keeps the stars in the sky or what makes the daffodils rise up out of their graves each spring. It just is. He just is. Now, you and I may not be crazy about these women's methods of evangelism. Barbara certainly was not either. But she couldn't deny the fact that something changed within her that day. All because two women were brave enough to show up and share with her about Jesus. And the reality is that you and I are here today because someone at some point told us about Jesus too. Maybe it was a parent or a Miss Donna or Miss Mary Jane or a cute youth camp counselor. Maybe it was someone sitting beside us on a plane or someone who stopped by our dorm room or house. Or maybe it was someone who just showed up for us in a really hard season of our lives and they just kept showing up. They kept being Jesus' hands and feet at a time when believing in Jesus seemed completely unfathomable to us. Whoever it was, somebody told us about Jesus and showed us Jesus' love in a way that inspired us, that changed us, and that ultimately led us to want to follow Jesus with our lives. And here's the thing, whoever those people are, someone else told them about Jesus too. 
and someone told that person, and someone else told that person, and so on and so on, all the way back to Jesus' prayer with the disciples. As Romans 10 reminds us, how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? And how are they to proclaim him unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. And so, my friends, may you and I seek to walk each day with beautiful feet that can't help but to share the good news. Let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Instead, let's discover meaningful and authentic ways to share our faith boldly and bravely so that the world may know of Jesus' life-changing love for the world. How beautiful that might be. And so, God, I ask that you would help us to examine our lives, our relationships, our mission projects, the times and ways in which you might be calling us to go a step further and to share about what you have done in our lives. God, I pray that you might convict us of, of ways in which we're timid or, or unwilling to do that and help us to dig a little deeper and to find out why, what's going on beneath the surface that makes us struggle from sharing what should be the greatest news that we have ever encountered. Um, God, help us to leave this day with, with feet that are striving to be beautiful bearers of your good news in our world. And we ask these things in your name. Amen. Well, maybe you're here today and you're hearing about this good news of Jesus, but you've never responded to it. When Jesus prayed that all might know of his love, that all included you. It included all of us. And so if you would like to talk with someone more about following Jesus, we would love to visit with you in the back of the sanctuary. And maybe responding for you means that you're ready to make Calvary your community of faith. We would love to welcome you into our faith family today. Or maybe you're struggling today to hear good news in your own life or in the world around us. Sometimes it's hard to receive good news in the midst of anxiety and grief and loss and all the different situations that the world throws at us. So whatever and wherever you find yourself on your journey with God, there, there's space to be real about that in this place. So however God leads you to respond, we would love to visit with you and to pray with you in the back of the sanctuary.
God is with us, the risen Christ is among us, and the Holy Spirit is upon us. And so today we come giving thanks to the God who meets us here in this place and at this table. Most holy God, in your image you created us. In your mercy you forgive us. In your love you claim us as your own. Thank you, God. To this community, you gather us. To this table, you invite us. To this feast, you summon us. Thank you, God. Through the life of Jesus, you teach us. Through the power of his resurrection, you guide us. Through the spirit, you inspire us. Thank you, God. With the body of Christ broken for us, you nourish us. With the blood of Christ shed for us, you sustain us. Thank you, God. So, may, so we may fulfill the callings you have placed on our lives. You equip us and empower us so that the world may know your love. You send us. Thank you, God. So today we come to this table to remember again how the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, take and eat. This is my body for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread, and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. By taking the bread and the cup, may we be united as Christ's body. 
And by sharing them with one another, may we be prepared to share God's love with one another and with our neighbors in all places. Friends, you are invited to come to the table. Calvary, as you go today, I encourage you to look at the announcements in your worship folder. Lots of important information about the life of Calvary, including sign-ups for our small groups this fall. Uh, those will be starting the week of October 15th, and they'll last for five weeks. And our hope is that if you are not already in a small group, that everyone will be part of this. The, the topics will be coinciding with what we're talking about in worship and engaging with our hearts, our heads, and our hands at Calvary. Calvary, and then each group will end with a mission opportunity to serve together in our community. Um, Don Corley will be out by the signups today, and if you haven't signed up, I hope that you will take a chance to look at that schedule and do that. Also, it's not too late to join our fabulous intergenerational choir. They are having lunch and also a rehearsal of Christmas music today, and so if you've thought about joining the choir, they would love for you to join them for lunch and um, to join them for Christmas. We ask that you stay and linger today. Don't feel the need to rush out. We want everyone to get a chance to greet you and get to know you if you are new to Calvary. And so we'd love for you to give us a chance to do that after worship. Well, join me in this benediction. Friends, may the God who calls you from this place journey with you as you go. May God delight in you with joy, bringing unimagined graces. Walk with you in darkness, shining light along your way. May God be close to you in pain, giving strength for every moment, and comfort you in fear, granting courage to be brave. May God's love surround you, may Christ's mercy astound you, and may the Spirit abound in you so that you live in the fullness of the God who is with us always. Amen. Trust in the arms that will hold you. Go in peace, live in grace, trust God's love. Take bread for the journey and strength for the fight. Comfort to sleep through the night, wisdom to choose and the fork in the road. 
peace. Amen.